Hello, all things Montessori community. It was a big day yesterday. It was Maria Montessori's 150th birthday. Oh my gosh. I I know all of you and me too. I'm just so happy she was born. She's such an inspiration. Um, and it's so fun to get to celebrate her. Um, like, can you imagine? Like, she was so ahead of her times. Oh, just love her. Anyway, um, I'm pumped about our episode today. It is about two enormous, enormous components of the elementary classroom. And they go together and they kind of form this beautiful dance that the guide has to somehow manage to accomplish. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. I'm talking about freedom and responsibility. Um, This is a pretty long episode. Jamie and I could have talked longer and I'm pretty sure we're going to do another episode on these incredibly important aspects of Montessori. Um, It's just, they're so vital and it's so interesting to talk about it specifically, you know, because it's the start of school and we're all in the midst of setting all those boundaries, right? Um, So yeah, we, this episode's really great. Um, In other news... I always say this, but we have a newsletter that comes out on Wednesdays. So if you want to get our newsletter, go ahead and subscribe to our website. I've had a few subscribers this week. So thank you so much for subscribing. And if you want to become a patron and join our Patreon, that will be linked at this, uh, at the bottom of this episode. Um, you get some all things Montessori merchandise. You get an extra episode a month, um, and some other little perks. So it's worth checking out definitely. So go ahead and check that out if you wish. Um, and as always, you know, if you know of a Montessorian that you know, is either in the classroom or maybe it's a Montessori parent or something like that, like tell them about our podcast. The way that I usually find out about my favorite podcasts is somebody just tells me about it. I've definitely done some digging on my own, but the ones that I love the most have been from word of mouth. So if you think of just one or two people that might be interested in all things Montessori, definitely share it with them. Um, Either link them to our Instagram or just send them an episode. You know, Um, We love getting new listeners and there's actually quite a few new ones recently and it's just so fun to watch this grow. So as always, feel free to email us allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com if you have any questions and I hope you enjoy this awesome and quite long episode all about freedom and responsibility. Rachel. Hi. (laughs) Here we are again. Here we are again. (sighs) Yeah. Another day, another recording. That's right. But we're tackling a big topic today. Oh, yes, we are. Mm -hmm. I think maybe the biggest one. I don't know. Um, I think it's it's the biggest. I also think it's the most misunderstood, but we'll get into that. Yeah, it's a... It's a big one for working in elementary with uh, in a Montessori environment. We're going to talk about uh, freedom and responsibility. Yeah. Those are two big words right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They, so, Jamie, why don't you tell us what that means specifically in terms of the Montessori elementary environment? Because I think those two words, you know, their blanket meaning, I, I think we the Montessori meaning is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I think we're accustomed to recognizing sort of societally that freedom and responsibility 
you know, go hand in hand a little bit in terms of, you know, with freedom comes responsibility. Uh, But when we're approaching elementary children, we have to be really, really aware of how we're how we're helping them to really build their freedom and responsibility. And in fact, we have to think about freedom and responsibility as capacities within children that we're helping them to develop. They're not things we're imposing on children from the outside, but we're actually helping them to develop these capacities. Um, So from that standpoint, freedom and um, responsibility are not like a, a system of of punishment and reward, that freedom's like the right. reward um, or it's, you know, given as a reward or taken away as a punishment. Like that's not freedom and a responsibility. Again, because freedom is something we cultivate within. It's something you that you have within yourself. It doesn't come from the outside. It's not, um, it's not something that adults, you know, like commodities that we can give and take away. Right. And that I think is really hard for adults to um, take in and own that. I think so too. And correct me if I'm wrong. I just, I think what we're talking about, what you just said about how punishments and rewards can completely be confused with freedom and responsibility. I think a lot of the world, I'm making a big assumption, maybe not a lot of it, but I think you know, there's a good majority that operates that way with traditional schooling. I mean, my own experience growing up in public school, I mean, I turned out fine and I loved my teachers, but a lot of it was that sort of, well, if you do this, then you get freedom kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And, and, and I think it's, it's so nuanced because of course, as you get older and you understand the world better and you and you have more skills and knowledge, then your freedom does increase. But that's right. not as a reward for particular behavior, but it's actually because you have grown in your capacity for freedom. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing we really have to remember in our work with children is that you know, freedom and responsibility are not conditional, proportional, or oppositional. They're not going to be in perfect balance. Like a child has, um, you know, is displaying a particular capacity for freedom and that the responsibility is equal to that. In As in many developmental things with children, some it's going to be out of whack sometimes mm-hmm. because they're, they're growing and they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we have to really nurture and support these capacities in developing and definitely not um, fall into using them as punishments and rewards. Because we know, we know, um, based on Montessori's writing, because she wrote quite a bit about the... um, about how punishments and rewards don't work. And, and we also know from, you know, a lot of recent uh, research that punishments and rewards are not effective when working with children. And so we don't want to turn freedom and responsibility <laughs> into an elaborate system of punishment and reward. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the whole punishment and reward mentality, um, it's just about, you know, it's a power struggle. And then especially with Mm -hmm. elementary children who have that reasoning mind, who are going to be really interested in justice and fairness, that's not going to work with them. 
because they're going to see right through that. And then they're going to just be resentful and angry, you know? Um, and it's, it's actually disrespectful. Totally. Um, totally. Um, and that's not to say that discipline is not a major thing in Montessori education. That's not what this is. That's not what we're saying at all. Um, but it's that self-discipline, cultivating it, nurturing it, not just taking away something just because, you know, there always has to be a reason and kind of a calculated response to every situation. You know, I think Montessori just takes a more thoughtful approach to it in in a way, you know, thinking through right, what's going right. to actually help this child with their independence and their self-discipline. Like, for example, if um, a child was uh, misusing a material in the classroom, I'm going to take it away because of the action, not because I felt like it, you know, or like the right. the material will be back in the classroom when we can use it the right way, making it um, that kind of a consequence rather than, well, you can't go outside for a recess because I don't I don't know. I mean, I think like any kind of discipline has to have a reason that makes sense to a child. Well, and when, I mean, when we talk about discipline in our work and we really try to think about the root of that word, which means to follow. Mm-hmm. And so what we want when the children are developing discipline, it's it's also an internal thing because we want them to develop self-discipline. And so if we punish and reward, we are actually putting um, external motivators in place for the children's decisions and behaviors. And so if those external motivations are no longer there, then what is motivating the child Hmm. to follow directions or do what is right? Like we're building up a kind of sort of um, weakness in them almost that they don't have the ability to make that decision based on their own internal understanding and motivations. So what we constantly try to do, starting from the very earliest time in children's house or even before, is to help the children develop self-discipline And, you know, ironically, in some ways, what Montessori found is that self-discipline emerges um, in an atmosphere of freedom and liberty. Mm. So that without that freedom, children won't be able to develop self-discipline. And so it's it's a constant sort of paradox that we have. Yeah. And so we, freedom's an internal capacity we're helping to develop in the children, Um, when they can truly be able to um, act independently, have that opportunity to act, um, have that ability to act, you know, so freedom requires individual sort of ability and knowledge. And I use the example all the time of like putting an infant on the floor and saying, oh, you're free to move wherever you want. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, that, that infant doesn't have freedom because that infant doesn't have the ability to move yet. Right. And so it's not freedom, but what, so we have to keep in mind those, that's where freedom is really an internal capacity. Um, And it's what Montessori does. I think that's really profound in this talk about freedom is that she really thinks about freedom as a, as an internal capacity that every child has, every human has. And Liberty is the external conditions that allow for freedom. Mm. So she doesn't call freedom and liberty 
synonyms. Mm-hmm. Liberty is um, the possibility of being free, the external reality. So we we have control over the liberty. We have control right. as the adults over that opportunity to for children to act on freedom. But freedom is is within them. It's within them. And I that's a really, um, I think, a really powerful sort of way of approaching it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the difference between freedom and responsibility in the elementary versus the children's house is? Because I know that it runs throughout Montessori, but I know that it's different in elementary. So what would you say about it in the children's house or primary for ages three to six? How does it work in there? Well, we we generally talk about freedom and discipline in the children's house. Mm, okay. And um, because responsibility really means, like, think about the word. The, it means the ability to respond. Yeah. Right? So right. It, it is, like, totally that, that capability to respond to uh, an action or a choice. Um, and so when someone has responsibility, that means that they can decide or act and handle the whatever happens as a result. Um, so you to truly be responsible, like you have to have a clear consciousness, a clear understanding of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And so you can see why we don't talk about responsibility in the first plane right. very much. Right. Uh, because they they don't have the life experience, the understanding of cause and effect, the under, you know, all of that isn't fully operational in them yet. They're certainly learning. They're gathering that information that they need to be able to start living into and building their capacity for responsibility later, but they can't do it in the, yeah. So it's you, it, it, we shouldn't ask, someone under the age of six to be responsible for something right. because they're not there yet. Right. But what they are building or what we do think about in that age is freedom and discipline. They are building self-discipline at that time. Um, and that happens through their experience um, with a lot of freedom in their communities. Right. And there are elements that are the same. Um in the elementary too, like for example, the freedom to choose work, but only work that you've had a, le- yep. a lesson on. And that runs through the primary too. Um, and I think that's one that's one of my favorite elements of Montessori because you know, when a child walks into a Montessori classroom, whether it's primary or elementary, you know, everything just looks so enticing. And that's the point. The environment's supposed to call to the natural urges and uh, interests of the child. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, but they can't work with everything right away. You know, they, they, that they have to work up to that level. And that, that is, I think one of the biggest, uh, components that helps them with that self-discipline, you know, that, oh my gosh, I want to touch that so much, but I can't (laughs) because I haven't had a lesson. And how can I get to that lesson? You know? Yeah, or they there's only one of each material on the shelf. Oh, yeah. And so when it's not available, mm-hmm. it's not available. Totally. And they can't just take it. Mm-hmm. They learn to control their will and their desire. And um, you know, and and 
yeah, there's a sort of expectation that they won't work with the material unless they've had a lesson on it. There is a sort of sense that you won't work with something unless you've had a lesson on it. Right. But the adults are not the only ones who give lessons in any environment. So it could be they get a lesson from an older child. Right. It could be they, um, or it could be they just can't resist and they pull it off. And that's a signal to us of, oh, okay, maybe they're ready for this. Right. Or maybe we can do some work with this. Right. Um, yeah, that's so, and that's another just to jump in. I think that's a misconception with the Montessori environment. Um, I've had parents come in for tours or I've just, you know, talked to parents about the environment. And sometimes I think people who don't know a lot about Montessori because, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a buzzword. So I think a lot of a lot of the population just is like, oh, yeah, Montessori, you know, but they don't really know a lot of the because it's so detailed. There's so much. Um, what I'm getting at though, is I think a misconception is that a child can walk into the classroom and just do whatever they want. Like they can just work because freedom to choose work sounds very open. You know, it sounds almost like, oh, so you're saying my child, you're not controlling what they're working on or, oh, like my child can just choose whatever they want without a system. But in reality, it's very detailed, systematic and there's a it, it's like this invisible web <laughs> right like behind the classroom that the guide is yeah, cultivating I mean, in a way i think i think i hear both that the complaint that it's too much freedom and and also that it's too structured mm, yeah, um yeah from parents yeah. sometimes but i think the reality is again when we think about freedom it's really we're trying to give children the ability to um, the you know to really embrace their capacity for freedom, mm -hmm. and if they don't have practice with that, they're not going to be able to. Right. So we've all seen this in classrooms that are very teacher directed, any type, Montessori or otherwise, right. that are very controlled by a, a a strong willed teacher, and that teacher's out sick for a day. What can happen, or often happens, is the class falls apart. Yeah. Because the children have no experience. Uh, managing their themselves and managing the expectations themselves and managing their choices, they rely on the adult to do so, and the and the end result is they're not capable if that adult is not present. And so, when we want we want children to have experience with freedom in the classroom so that they can grow in that capacity. And it is freedom within limits. So there are natural limits within the classroom, like there's only one of each material. And when it's in use by someone else, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. You have to make a different choice. Yeah. Um, if you are uh, being disrespectful of someone or of something in the classroom, then you are not going to have the freedom to use that material right now or right. whatever. There's limits. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is the social good of the classroom, much like the limits we have in our society. It would certainly be much more expedient for me if I didn't have to stop at stoplights and stop with signs anytime <laughs> I go anywhere. And if I can have that freedom, but it's really disrespectful and actually dangerous to other members of the community if I alone was given that freedom. Right. So we really build a culture in a classroom where everyone is really free to exercise choice and to be their authentic selves. 
while at the same time maintaining a community that is respectful of everyone and supportive of everyone. And that's the sort of um, constant uh, tension and balance of social cohesion, of, of creating space where we all have freedom and respect and support and can be who we truly are while, um, while being respectful and while building a social community that can function eff- effectively. And we work on that from day one. That's right. It starts right when you get in. One of my favorite examples of that sort of, you know, respect for everybody was, um, and you taught me this trick, Jamie. Um, I had music listening in my classroom. That was a favorite material. Um, I had like a CD Uh player and, but we had a little sticker to where the volume would go. Cause just because you're really enjoying that Mozart sonata doesn't mean that we all want to listen to it at a large loud volume. Um, but you can listen to it at, at a volume that's okay for everybody, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Totally. So, so it's not a free for all. No. Um, it is, it is really a culture based on, um, uh, you know, real respect for individual freedom bounded by the needs of the community. And so the needs of the community, it can't be arbitrary. It's not something that I just as an adult say, right, right. you know, this is the rule for our community because I said so. Exactly. But it's really, it really emerges out of our classroom community and what we need and what the individuals in our classroom need. And so this can shift based, you know, I had a a little guy uh, who had, you know, was diagnosed with really severe obsessive compulsive disorder Mm. in his second year with me. And um, he needed a chair of his own that no one else ever touched. And it was always in the place where it needed to be. Yeah. And so to a certain extent that limited the freedom of the other people in the classroom because they couldn't sit at that exact spot. But it's what one member of our community needed. Yeah. And so of course we're going to provide that. Right. So that's a um kind of a nuance to how, you know, it's it's never just completely arbitrary our our freedom and limits in the classroom. Um, you know, and the only ones that I'm going to be pretty top down about as an adult in the classroom is um any sort of um hate speech uh, or activity or bullying or anything right. like that. That I'm not going to I'm I'm not messing around with. I'm going to come down hard on that with the child and we're going to we're going to stop yeah. that behavior. Um but as far as other things we're going to help to have the community really um provide those limits and those boundaries. Yeah, I um, think it's important to know that there's a fine line to where you have to put your foot down. Well, there are some things in the classroom that are just non-negotiable, right? Like I mean, exactly what you're saying, like violence, I mean, obviously any of those things that is when it's it's just like nope, no. Like you no, you're not doing that. Um or it's a safety issue right, or right. something. That is mm-hmm. just, it's non-negotiable. It's because in actuality, that's also for the betterment of the classroom. You can't have that in, in a classroom. It's toxic. It's not going to add anything to your to your classroom. And, and that's when, 
you have to get involved and perhaps you need to, you know, work with the parents or your school administration. Um, it can be, that can be really tough. Actually, that can be really challenging. I've, I mean, I think every teacher has to deal with that because bullying is unfortunately extremely common. Um, and it starts really young, younger than you think. Um, and it's something you just have to be on, you have to watch out for because one thing that I, I kind of learned, I learned the hard way, but I eventually got a good handle on it. Um, bullying is not always extremely obvious to your eye. It is in the corners of your classroom that perhaps you're not, you know, watching all the time. It's on the playground where, you know, behind a tree, you know what I mean? There, there are so many places that it can take place. And it also takes place in many different forms, forms that maybe, you know, you weren't expecting. Um, so that's just when your observation comes into play and that relationship with each of your students that you should cultivate during your individual meetings where maybe a child will speak up and tell you something's going on. You know, that's just super important. Yeah. To, you have to be. I mean, I've seen bullying happening at peace tables that yeah. in classrooms that have those. Mm. And it's one of the main I have a real issue with the peace table. If it's a place of abandonment where children are sent to solve their problems without adult support. So when we talk about like freedom and freedom within limits, the limits are not arbitrary, the limit, you know, set by the adult, they're set by the community. But the adult does have a tremendous responsibility for those, you know, toxic and dangerous yeah. things that can emerge like bullying or or um, other things that we have to be ready to intervene quickly. That's where we don't want, you know, there's a difference between helping children learn from a mistake, you know, breaking a glass or whatever, and like a child actually being, you know, damaged by another child. Right. another child either physically or emotionally or verbally. Mm -hmm. So that is something that we aren't going to, you know, we aren't going to allow them to freely do that. But we but the children do get the capacity to develop capacities for all sorts of freedoms like to choose their work, to um reflect on their work, to uh you know, to to choose who they work with to choose what they work on, how long they work on it. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they get to, they get to go out, they get to move in the classroom, they get to communicate. So there's lots of communication happening in a, in a Montessori elementary classroom. It's always quite noisy. <laughs> we want yes. them to be able to talk because how else are they going to learn how to speak mm -hmm. to one another? That's right. Um. But they also have the freedom, you know, that they need to develop, which is how to how to reflect or, you know, they're not they're not necessarily always going to be uh, observably, you know, productive. Right. You know, sometimes they're <laughs> right. they're just going to think mm -hmm. they're just going to think. And we want them to have that freedom to think. Yeah. Um, I mean, children are so busy these days. Maybe not now because we're in this slowed down time of quarantine. But um, I just think children, you know, just from my own experience with my students, they're just they're so busy. They're busier than me. They have all these yeah. sports and clubs and camps and weekend plans and parties. I'm just like, wow, that's a lot. Right. Like they don't have they need that time to look out the window and perhaps learn what you were giving a lesson on earlier that morning. Maybe their brain needs to process that, you know. Totally.
Totally. We also make sure that in our classrooms, they're free from, you know, requirements. So there's mm. not assigned work. There's not worksheets. Right. Um, we are, they're free from punishments and rewards. Um, they're free from curriculum. We're not, we're not dragging them through a particular curriculum. We're igniting their interest in the world. We're getting them excited. We're helping them tap into their own motivations and desire for learning that will propel them forward. So again, yeah. in all those ways, we don't want to limit that by putting external motivators in place because then children are only doing things because they like want the reward or they're scared of the yeah. of the punishment. And we don't want them functioning for that. No. No, because uh, no. Um because both of those things um both of those elements are not coming from the child. They're coming from the external thing, right? Like that's not, I'm going to do this so I get a sticker or or whatever it may be. I'm going to do this so I get an extra 15 minutes of outdoor time. It's just, it's empty, you know? It doesn't, yeah. get, it doesn't give them what they need at all. Yep, um, yep. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about responsibility because, you know, one cannot happen without the other. Um, and responsibility, I think, is a huge component of the elementary child, um, mostly, you know, because they're responsible in a lot of ways for, you know, for choosing their own work. They're responsible for, you know, doing their work throughout the day. And they keep that work through their work journals, which was, I don't know, that's one of my favorite things about the elementary classroom. I think the work journal, um, even if it starts out, you know, with a little short one for a six-year-old, you know, it, you can, you, they can really get better at it with, with, I had some students that would put down what time it was, like to the precise minute and even the precise second, like when they were starting their work. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's, it's cool to just, you know, I think as adults, we keep track of our days. We have calendars. We have shared calendars. We have Google calendars. We have planners. We have blah, 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 blah. Um, to start that from a young age, to to keep track of their work and then, you know, show their work journal or go over their work journal with their teacher at the end of the week, if that's what your independent individual meeting looks like. Um, and just to be like, oh, I didn't work on any science this week or, oh, look how much I did on Thursday or, oh, I, I worked on math for three hours on Wednesday morning. What? I don't know. It's, it's cool for them to see how they're using their own time that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key with responsibility too. We want to help them develop that capacity. It's not something we can teach. I, I hear right. people saying, oh, I want to teach my child responsibility. <laughs> you know, think about that carefully because any experience, I mean, we can think of it as adults, a time that somebody wanted to teach me responsibility versus a time when I simply learned it. And I learned yeah. it through uh, sometimes making a mistake, but often mm -hmm. through a really clear and um, a real relationship with someone or something that responsibility really emerges um, with, from within relationship. You know, I feel responsible for the things I care deeply about. And it's not something that someone has taught me to do. It's something that yeah. has emerged from within me. So we have to be 
really aware that we cannot teach responsibility. It's something that exists within the children and that we have to nurture and help them to sort of manage. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that we do um, that we help bring to their awareness. They start to recognize slowly as they get older um, that they have you know, obligations to themselves, to their family, to broader society. And so we help nurture that out of the relationship they build with themselves, out of the relationship they build with them, you know, the people around them and to, um, to the community beyond the classroom. Um, so we do have some tools to help with that, right? We, we Mm -hmm. help them pay attention to their, to how they work. And that journal where they track what they've been doing is really a tool to help them build responsibility for themselves, for them to start to see how they work. Just like you were saying, oh, I spent three hours on math or I did that, you know, for them to just see how they work as, as, um, as workers and learners and how they approach things so that they're, we're not trying to like change them. We want to simply bring to their awareness their choices and and how they've handled their time. Um, right. Same with the individual meetings we have each week with them. It's not a time where I'm, you know, sitting down to, you know, find everything wrong with them I possibly can right. or to, you know, make them justify their time in the week before. But instead, it's an opportunity to build relationship and to help them really see themselves as learners or, you know, ask some questions. Why, you know, why did you spend three hours on math? Like, tell me more about that. Um, And it could be they did it because it was a really uh, intense amount of work they needed to do, or it could be because they sat and rolled around on the floor and goofed off for most of that time, didn't write that down in their journals. And I'm not going to really judge that. I'm just going to ask what they think of that. Right. So those are the things that we bring to them as they're developing responsibility. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being a Montessori guide. Um, Some of my fondest memories are just, you know, having an individual meeting and a child would come up, you know, and we are just going over their work, you know, what, what they did that week and looking at their work journal. And I look at it and, you know, it's, half written or, or, you know, who, whatever. And I, I always loved sort of making a joke and being like, oh my gosh, this, you didn't work this week. Were you here? Like, and you have to gauge the child. Like this was a child who loved sarcasm and thought it was really funny. And, but that's like not putting any pressure on them. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, well, I can't believe that you didn't do all this stuff. It's like, huh, this work journal is telling me that you didn't do anything. What do you think about that? But like in a funny way, but like you, right. you, that's all about like your relationship with the kid. If you have that strong foundation with that child, you can go there. If you don't have that yet, you got to wait and see. That's why these individual meetings and your relationship with the child as the guide is so important that you can have those yep. conversations and they can come to that realization like, huh, Miss Rachel made that joke, but I really do think that she was serious that I need to just write a little bit more in my work journal. I'm going to do that this week 
and they made that decision on their own. It's not like I said, well, this week you have to write every single blah, 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 blah. Like, and then you're going to report to me every day and I'm going to look at your work journal. Like, no, I don't have time for that. Neither. No, no one does. So, well, um, and it creates a power struggle, right? Like you were talking yes, about before, because sure does. the second that we as adults start to put arbitrary deadlines or requirements on the children, right. we have invited the child into a power struggle, which yep. Anyone who no. works with children know that knows that we avoid pa- power struggles at all costs because yep. they're impossible to win. They um, are. The only way you can win a power struggle as an adult is by imposing your authority on the child and yeah. either, you know threatening them in some way. And so right. you don't want to get in a power struggle with Mm-mm. children. And if you give an arbitrary assignment and they don't do it then what are you left with? Right. Then in order to save face as the adult, what we tend to fall into is then offering a punishment. I know. You did not meet this, you know, deadline. You did not do what I told you to do. So you have to stay in at recess. Why? Right. Like what that is like punishment for everyone involved. Don't ever take recess away. It's It's illegal in a lot of states, but but the you know that's the that's the thing we have to keep in mind when we f- that's where that relationship building and that nurturing the child's own sense of responsibility again if you have a strong relationship with the child their responsibility is going to grow by leaps and bounds because yeah. if that relationship matters to them they're going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. They're going to oh, want yeah. to work they're... collaboratively with you. They're going to want to show you they can be responsible and show Absolutely. you how independent they can be. Yep. Yeah. It all yep. comes down to respect because you're respecting them and they're going to respect you. And that is like, I think one of the most important things with working with elementary children, because yeah. I mean, they're in that realm of hero worship and looking up to adults and, and, you know, they're going to really, some of them are, going to scrutinize and really be critical. Um, you know, some of them, you you just, they're a tough sell, right? You, you really got to work at it, but once you get them, you it's, it is going to work to your benefit. Um, and it's, it's all about respect. It's about working with them, not at them, right? It's collaborating. Um, gosh, it's so important, but I also want to say, um, this is not, um, this is not the easiest thing in the world. Cultivating freedom and responsibility takes a lot of work, takes a lot of reflection, and it takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot from the, it takes a lot, it's a lot on the adult. Um, because, yep. you know, cultivating this experience for the children does not just happen in one day. It's really tough to get there. Um, I just wanted to chime in and say that <laughs> because yeah, you can't just takes- start and be like, okay, be free, <laughs> but it be responsible. It takes a daily it takes daily sort of effort yeah. and energy, just like any good relationship totally. does. And this relationship that you're having and the way that you're supporting the children, it's going to take daily time and energy. And to be honest, if children are not used to exercising their freedom and, and responsibility, if they're not used to being able to um, independently work to build that with, you know, the limits set by the community and the support and guidance of the adult. If that's something that hasn't happened, then it takes them a lot more time 
as it sure well. Does. You know, if they've if they've been told what to do by adults all the time, the idea of making a choice is very can be very scary and overwhelming. Yeah. And so yeah. when you have children that haven't had that experience, you have to give, you have to really limit things for them. You know, do you want to do this or do you want to do this? You know, like help them build their capacity for making a choice. But even then, really try to help them to do it so that it isn't you as the adult making those choices. Um, Right. And because the only way they're going to get practice with making choices and and experiencing freedom and and responsibility and the consequences of that is if they get to do it. And that's the other thing we have to keep in mind is they need to experience the consequences of their choices, not the made up consequence I gave you uh, because I was, you know, irritated with you and kept you in at recess, but the real consequences. So we have to let them make mistakes. <laughs> we Ugh, yeah, it's to- it's painful, but it's so right on. You're so right. I mean, because a mistake I think teaches you so much. Yeah. But it's you, a we, but it's a mis- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. We well, I was just going to agree with you totally. Like we learn from our mistakes. We learn uh, when we see mistakes happening, it means learning is happening. If we yeah. see a child functioning throughout their day without ever making mistake, then a child is not learning. They've already learned. Yeah. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? So like oh, if yeah. you give a lesson and they don't ever make a mistake with it or get something wrong, well, then you gave that lesson too late because that child already learned whatever you wanted to teach them mm-hmm. or show them, you know? So mm-hmm. we have to remember that mistakes are a clear sign that a child is learning and they learn far better from the consequences of their mistake than they learn from an adult, like preventing it from happening and telling them Mm -hmm. what might've happened if they didn't stop it. That's right. Cause that's just sort of meaningless, right? I mean, it's not all meaningless, but I think if you're experiencing a mistake, oh man, that sticks with you. But I think it's important to create an environment where it's okay to make mistakes. We're not saying yeah. that we want a child to be like embarrassed or, you know, have a terrible day no. because they made a mistake. It's not like that. It's um it's really about it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. I th- you know. Right. I've made plenty of mistakes in my teaching career and I've made mistakes in front of children. And whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've made mistakes in front of children, adults, all sorts. I mean, and I, you know, I mean, how many times when I was lecturing on your course, Rachel, did I forget something and have to go and get it, you know, in the middle of lecture? Like, I mean, this is just what it is to be human. And we want children to grow up knowing that mistakes are a part of how we learn. It's a part of how we function, even if we're, I mean, even the best, most practiced sports player or pianist or something else makes mistakes that just happens Um, and it should (laughs) it should happen (laughs) and so we really build a culture in the classroom where you know the children are free it's a safe place to make mistakes and we want them to learn from their mistakes so sometimes we'll have a little conversation with them at a neutral time after if we think they need a little reinforcement or sometimes it's just they definitely learned uh, from the result of their action. And that can be both, um, they can learn positive things and negative things, you know. So both yeah. of those things, when we when we have the freedom for them to do that. 
And I think the other thing we have to keep in mind, we've mentioned it before, is the importance of like knowledge in freedom and responsibility. And so we yeah. want to be sure that we're not asking for um, a responsibility or even a freedom that a child isn't capable of yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not oh, yeah. going to put, you know, like a, a differential calculus problem down for a six year old and say, right. you have the freedom to do this. <laughs> right? Because I don't know how many of our listeners would even be able to. Um, and in the same way, that six year old's not going to be responsible for starting the fire on our first camping trip because they right. I haven't. The child doesn't have the knowledge. So sometimes mm-hmm. when we're struggling with a child's capacity for freedom and responsibility, it's because our expectations are more than the child is capable of at that time. So Absolutely. we constantly want to be sure that we are keeping our expectations for their capacities um, in line with where they're at developmentally. And this is going to be different for every single child. And it doesn't mean that we don't, we're going to expect more of children than sometimes they think they can do. That's okay. But we don't want to make it like something they literally can't do. You know, that we want to be sure that that we've, you know, we're stretching them with our expectations, but we're not making it so much that they can't possibly achieve it because they don't have the knowledge yet. So we want to be sure that we're constantly providing all the different things they need knowledge-wise, you know, and this is academic knowledge, but also social and emotional knowledge so that they can, can keep, they can keep growing in their capacities for freedom and responsibility. Yeah, I mean, the the amount of times that I would begin a lesson and sort of observe, okay, this is either going well, or they're not ready for this. And then I would just sort of quickly just make it something else. That happened a lot. Um, yep. But it was, they didn't know. It was fine. Totally fine. Because we want to set them up for success. But we don't want to set the, it's like two things, right? We don't want to set them up for too easy of success. Because then they're going to be like, well, this is boring. And I already know it. And they're not really going to learn from that. I like what you said about just stretching them, you know, just enough. So they're going to be challenged, but not that it's impossible. And then they feel bad because they can't do it. Right. We want them to wonder about what next step they can get to. Right. They're going to be looking at maybe the older children that are there. They're going to wonder about that. But that doesn't mean that we need to just have them be there because they're not they're not ready yet even though they might tell you again and again seven-year-old might be telling you that they're really ready for cubing and you might just be like okay well I don't know not sure (laughs) you can look at it and it's and it's the academics but it's also the social stuff too and I think that's the harder thing for some some of us like to be able to say okay you know, I would hope that this child would be capable of this at this age, but they're not. And yeah. so we have to constantly be like adjusting our expectations so that children can, you know, build the build the skills they need. Um, and and we'll do that with academics, of course. And we're going to do that with um, social and emotional and behavioral things as well. So a child that's, you know, struggling to, um, you know, put their work away, we're mm-hmm. going to build their skills and being able to do that. We're not just going to punish them for mm-hmm. that. We're just going to help them build those skills, it's different, you know, same sorts of things. Um, so it, like freedom and responsibility is a big, 
it's a big deep a oh, big yeah. deep topic. <laughs> I know. I love I love it. It's so important and you know, when you see the child taking responsibility for not only their own learning, but you know, what we didn't really touch on, we've kind of have, but the responsibility to, you know, keeping their environment beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great tool. Like, who was the duster this week? There's just duh. Or like, I always love just going over to a to a shelf and just sort of like putting my finger, like running it through and just like just observing the dust. And then whoever was the duster would kind of be like, oh, okay. And then I'd see them dusting like later. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah. No, I think they they really have to build their responsibility for themselves. And that happens um, academically and socially in the classroom. And we want them to build responsibility for the environment around them. And then Mm -hmm. they have a responsibility to broader society that we also nurture them in developing in the classroom. We do that through how we talk about how they, you know, what, how are they going to contribute as they um, get older? We do that through helping them understand uh, our state standards and that that's society's expectation for you. And so you do have a responsibility to meet to meet those state standards, you know, all of that is a part of um, how we nurture those responsibilities in the classroom as well. Oh, man. Yeah, it's such a lovely thing. It's such a, it's so important in Montessori. And I think, I think it, I think Montessori education does it really well. Um, When it's implemented correctly, it takes a lot of patience, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of the things I see teachers struggle with the most so they I see teachers assigning work and worksheets I see teachers Mm -hmm. not trusting children's ability to learn um, on their own uh, in that way I see them putting you know arbitrary consequences in place for certain decisions I see a number of things like that which I understand it's easy to fall back on that um, but it's not supporting the child's freedom and responsibility. And I mean, so, I just, I've done all those things because I was freaking out and I was losing patience and feeling a lot of pressure. And then mm-hmm. I had to continuously, I mean, I have looked at my theory album so much, especially when I was in the classroom, because I had to just remind myself because it's, it is, it's frankly really easy because it's easy to fall into that trap because it's kind of what we know. And it's like, well, this isn't working, so I'm going to do this. Or, well, you know, or maybe there's that, there's always a child that's going to push all of your buttons. There might be a couple, right? Um, yeah. And you might just be at your wit's end. Teaching is really hard. But exactly like you're saying, Jamie, you just, you have to remember that it it's not supporting the child at all. I just wanted to chime in and say that I've done all those things because. I, I no, just, I've done them all too. Well, no, not worksheets. I've never done worksheets, but I have, you know, it is easy to, it is easy to feel like helpless and like you have to assert control in some way, shape or form. Exactly. And so what I really encourage you to do, there are some children 
who the best support you can offer is to provide a lot more structure and guidance right. as they build their capacity for making choices and build their capacity for freedom and Definitely. responsibility. But that should never be a whole class rule. Right, right. So it shouldn't be what I think ends up happening is, oh, it works for this child. And then, it, you know, yeah. then you try it for 10 other children. And now the whole class has to do math and handwriting before they can do anything else in the school day. And right. so you don't want to get in the habit of that. Like maybe one child does need some math support on a daily basis that you want to make sure that happens, but that doesn't have to be a rule for that entire class. And so that's the right. other part of freedom and responsibility is making sure that your decisions of you know scaffolding and support that's put in place is not arbitrary that it's really responsive, like this child needs the scaffolding here right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to provide it, even though, remember, scaffolding is ugly and it's not meant to be on buildings. And that's the mm-hmm. same for us when we're providing scaffolding for children. We're ugly and we're not meant to be there long term, <laughs> right? So we're there as long as it needs to be and we get rid of right. it as soon as we can. Yeah. And if you have... um if you have fallen into the habit of assigning things, then it's it's going to be a process to to walk away from that. And so oh, yeah. you're going to have to build a real, you can't just stop doing it because that's abandonment of the children. Mm-hmm. They won't know what right. to do. Right. So you have to build in more collaboration, more connection, more of their own um their own decision making and guide them in that until they're capable of of choosing things independently. So don't I'm not advocating just dropping some those systems if you already <laughs> right. have them in place. It takes a lot of effort and attention and time to shift a culture. Um, so baby steps toward that as you as if you're feeling inspired to make that change. Yep. And always we always say this, but be patient with yourself. Because, you know, again, this doesn't happen overnight um, and it takes a long time. And um, depending on the age of your class or what kind of, you know, how big your class is or, or what have you, there's lots of factors that go into um, making this more or less difficult. So definitely be kind to yourself and patient while you're, you know, trying to create a culture that really supports freedom and responsibility because it's it's really beautiful when it starts to you know start when it starts to take shape it's pretty amazing well and i i mean i just say all the time that i can see in some of our world leaders today and some adults generally children who i can see the children who were not given the opportunity to build their own capacities for freedom and responsibility. And instead, we're always seeking adult approval or doing what someone else said. And what we want to build is the future of our world (laughs) in whatever roles these children take on of people that are confident in their decisions, that are thinking of others, that are capable of recognizing the the sort of nuance of their freedom and responsibility within society and so it's it, you know elementary time is is like a critical time to work on that oh, with children yes. yeah 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 i mean there's there's formative memory space there right i mean and and i know the first 6 years of life are also extremely important of course but you know in elementary it's it's a little calmer because they're not like 
you know, learning how to walk and talk and all that stuff, right? But that's when all of this sort of reasoning mind that this can take shape. They can, they can become, you know, they can start that foundation of the adult they're going to be, you know. Well, and exactly. And Montessori says, you know, um, how do we expect uh, young adults to take on the responsibility of being a free citizen in society if up until they become adults, we've treated them as if they have no freedom, if they've had to just be sort of a, you know, respond to adult authority. And so that's the key. We have to build, we have to build that capacity so that when they are adults, they're, they're comfortable with it. They're used to it and they're capable. That's right. Well, this is no small task. And I also don't think this will be the last time we talk about freedom and responsibility because I'm sure we could talk for at least three more hours about it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, keep these in mind. Um, Maybe do some reading about freedom and responsibility. Maria Montessori talks about it a lot. Um, It's pretty awesome. 